If you have uh, your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 38. Luke 1, 26 through 38. But before we get started there, um, I want us to uh, play a little game. I need some class participation. I'm a youth pastor, so I get this kind of feedback a lot. Uh, with them, I hand out candy. I don't have any candy for you, so sorry. Um, but we're going to take a little Christmas carol quiz. So uh, I'm going to give you a phrase, and you're going to give me the correct Christmas carol song title. I think we can handle this, okay? So I need your feedback. The first one is, listen to winged beings having a song fest. Heart the herald angels sing. You would get a starburst, but I don't have any. See Kevin Seeger afterwards. Maybe he'll give you something. Second, it happened during a cloudless witching hour. Very good. Y'all get candy. Relax in a good mood, fellows. God rest you, merry gentlemen. In audible bedtime. Everybody knows that one. Trimming the room with red berries. Deck the halls. Some of you are like, I've never heard these songs before in my life. Albino Festival, White Christmas, the last one, this was good. Detergent in the Galaxy, Joy to the World, Detergent, you got the dishwashing detergent, Joy, so Joy to the World. Some of the men are like, what, Joy, what's that? Yeah, I don't wash dishes. But this morning, uh, these were sort of clouded messages, but I want to talk about a message this morning in Luke chapter 1 that is very clear. So clear that a young girl of 13 or 14 could understand it to the point that it changed the course of human history. Of course, we're talking about the great Annunciation when Gabriel the angel came to Mary and told her that he, she was going to have a child that would change the course of human history. And I believe this message will give us to uh, a, a great influence as we understand its message and meaning. So if you would please stand with me in honor of God's word as we read Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26 and going through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, and she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the, most, he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month of her who was called barren. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it has no ambiguity, that is clear and plain. And I pray, God, that, that we are able to see that this morning and that you would touch our hearts with it, minister to our spirits and call us into a deeper, more meaningful relationship with yourself. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, this morning, this passage of Scripture, a lot of people would uh, tend to try to focus on Mary. Uh, uh, obviously, Mary is a, uh, a part of this story, but as is the message with the Word of God, the Bible is a story about himself. It's a story about God's revelation to us. And so I'm not going to place the emphasis this morning on uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm going to place the emphasis on God, and there are three things that I want us to look at this morning. I want us to look at God's plan, I want us to look at God's peace, and I want us to look at God's power. The first thing is God's plan. And here we see in verses 31 through 33 that God's plan was revealed to Mary. Look at it again. It says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the plan that the angel Gabriel was giving to Mary. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't Mary's plan. It was God's plan. God's plan was revealed to Mary. Now, I want to talk about three quick things about how this plan was revealed and about the plan of God. The first thing is this, is that God's plan was delivered through his messenger. Again, verse 26 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Gabriel's message of the birth of the Messiah would change all of human history. But let's ask ourselves a question or a couple of questions here in this text. How is it that Mary came to believe this message from the messenger? Had she been confronted with an angel before? We don't know that. How is it that she just received by faith the message from the messenger? God sent his messenger to Mary with his plan, but how did she come to believe it? Why did she not just ignore the messenger or initially receive the message with gladness, and then when he left, she said, okay, whatever, I'm going to do what I want to do? Or why did she just not respond, you know, I have too many cares, I have too many concerns, go away, come back some other time. But we know that was not her response. So what led her to make such a faithful surrender to God's plan through this messenger. John MacArthur states in his commentary on the Song of Mary, which is also found in Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55, he says, here's a rich offering of praise from Mary. It is remarkable for its theology and use of the Old Testament. She was a young girl, perhaps about 13 years old, who, like all people of her day, had no personal copy of the Scriptures. 
her familiarity with the Word of God must have come from hearing it read regularly in the synagogue. It settled in her heart and was readily on her mind when she opened up her mouth in worship and praise. I would argue that Mary had a very good knowledge of the prophecy concerning the things to come and that she was driven by this knowledge to, 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 uh, to receive the message of the angel. She knew the scriptures that talked about the prophecies of God, and therefore she said, I want these things to come to pass. I am your servant. Do with me what you will. She had a passion to see that come to fruition in her life. Let me ask us this morning, do we have that same kind of passion and readiness to receive the message of God from his messenger, ourself? But if you're like me, you haven't talked to many angels lately, have you? So who is our messenger? Well, let me argue this morning that the words of John 1, 1 tells us who our messenger is. It states, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Our messenger is not an angel. Our messenger is God himself through his holy Word. So do we simply, though, ignore it by not reading it? Or do we initially receive it with gladness and then forget it? Or do we just say that we're too busy and we let the cares and the interest of this world keep us from the same kind of passion that Mary received her message with? I'm so thankful that Mary received her message with a readiness and an eagerness to do what the angel Gabriel told her was going to happen. The question for us this morning is, are we that ready to receive the message from our messenger, who is God himself, to do what he's called us to do. So God's plan has a messenger. But also, God's plan often interrupts our plan. Look at verse 27. It says, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, need I go any further to make the point that Mary probably, at this point in her life, had some plans of her own. She was engaged to a man to be married, and I have yet to meet a, a, a wife-to-be who is engaged who is not making any plans about their marriage. I have yet to meet that, 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 that woman or that young lady. Matter of fact, I would argue that a lot of our teenage girls are on Pinterest already making plans for their wedding. They want this kind of wedding dress. They want this kind of wedding cake. They want these bridesmaids and groom, you're going to stand there. Groomsmen, you're going to stand there. The bride is always full of plans for her beautiful, perfect day. And for some of our teenagers, you know, that's five or ten years away. But for Caroline, she's going to get married when she's 30. We've already settled that. But Mary was only a year away from being married. You know that she had to have some of these plans running through her mind. What's it going to be like? How many children are we going to have? What's our house going to be like? 
But God interrupted Mary's plan with his plan. When I left my small hometown to go to college at Appalachian State University, I thought to myself, boy, it sure would be good if I came home from college with a degree and a wife. I wanted those two things, a degree and a wife, because I felt like if I came home without a wife, the pickings back home was going to be real slim. <laughs> so I prayed about it a lot, and God answered my prayer. My last semester of college, I met Molly, and uh, uh, as soon as I met Molly and we started dating, I, I figured, I've got a plan. I have got a plan, and here's my plan. I'm going to save money. We're going to get married. And oh, by the way, back when I was about 15 or 16 years old, I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit of God saying, Kevin, I might have something special planned for you. God was calling me into the ministry at 15 or 16 years old, but I, like most 15 or 16-year-olds, sort of ignored that, pushed that to the side and said, well, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. And that carried through to my college years, and when I met Molly, I thought to myself, well, I am going to get a job after I graduate, save up enough money, and then if the Lord still wants me, I'll go to seminary. But two years passed as I was looking for a job, and I would always be the last one, the last candidate to get cut from my job. And I could not understand. I became angry. I became frustrated at my plan because my plan was not working. And I remember the Sunday as if it were yesterday. I was standing in the choir loft as we were singing the invitation hymn. Time is now fleeting and moments are passing. It's like the Holy Spirit of God said, Kevin, you've been seeking your plan too long. It's time for you to let me interrupt your plan with my plan. And at that moment, I left the choir loft and I went to the altar and I surrendered my heart and my life to full-time ministry. Two days later, I had a job. God was saying, Kevin, just seek my plan. My plan needs to be your priority. God interrupted my life with this plan. I wonder today if God is calling any of you to full-time ministry or to missions. But we're unwilling to answer that call because we're too busy pursuing our own plan. I'm so thankful that Mary let God interrupt her plan with the best plan of all. Well, let's not look at only the, the big ways that God interrupts us. Let's look at how he interrupts our everyday life, the smaller plans that we might have. I'm not saying that these plans are any uh, less significant because they are, because God wants to interrupt our life throughout the day to do and join him in what he wants to do and accomplish here on this earth, where we are in our jobs, at school, in our neighborhood, wherever it might be. Sometimes I feel like we fail to recognize that. If you're like me, I live by list, a to-do list. I jot it down in my notebook, and I have a little dash, and I check it off. Well, I've got that done. I've got that done. I've got that done. And one day, I was on my way to do something very important. Eat. <laughs> I, I, did have, I did have a lunch appointment, 
And uh, as I was going to that appointment, I heard someone call my name. And I thought to myself, you know what? If I, if I stop and I talk, I am not going to be able to check this off my list. God, not right now. But I did sort of compromise, and I turned to the folks, and I said, I, I'm sorry, I'm in a hurry. I really, really need to go. I didn't let God interrupt my plan. How many times do we go throughout our day and feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit with God's plan, and we fail to answer that, that call? Mary allowed God to interrupt her plan. And gave her the opportunity of a lifetime to be the mother of the Lord Jesus. Listen to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God, who will thwart our plans and frustrate our ways time and again, even daily by sending people across our path with their demands and requests. We can then pass them by, preoccupied with more important daily tasks, just as the priest, perhaps reading the Bible, passed by the man who had fallen among robbers. When we do that, we pass the visible sign of the cross raised in our lives to show us that God's way and not our own is what counts. It's a strange fact that of all people, Christians consider their work and their task more important and urgent than that they do uh, anything else, and they don't let anything else interrupt it. They think that they are doing God a favor, but actually they are despising God's crooked yet straight path. They want to know nothing about how human plans are thwarted, but it is part of the school of humility that we must not spare our own hand where it can perform a service for the Lord Jesus. We do not manage our time ourselves, but we allow God to occupy it. I'm so thankful that God interrupted Mary's life. How's he interrupting yours? How and what plans of his, of yours, is he interrupting? The last thing I want to talk about God's plans this morning is that they are eternal. Eternal. I believe it makes it somewhat easier to allow for God's plans and interruptions because we know that God's plans are what's most important because they're the ones that last forever. Verse 33 says, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You see, the great temptation for us is to live in the here and now and only what affects us in the moment. Oftentimes, our plans and goals focus only what mere man can provide for in return while we neglect the eternal purposes of God. And therefore, we fail to have the benefits of those eternal plans. Mary knew and lived in such a way that when she was confronted with God's plan, that his ways being eternal was ultimately what really mattered. That's why you and I should follow the teachings of Christ when he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God ultimately knows that this life is just a vapor and the investments that we make in the temporary, in the here and now, will ultimately be eaten up by moths or destroyed by rust. I'm thankful that Mary lived her life with the, an eternal perspective. Are we living in such a way? God's plan invaded Mary's life. God's plan had a messenger 
God's plan is eternal. But next I want to look at God's peace. In his peace, in his plan, he gives us peace because we see it in verses 28 through 30. God's peace comforted Mary. He said, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There are several things that we could mention about God's peace this morning. We've already discovered some of those earlier on in our service. But the thing that I want us to to recognize this morning, number one, is that God's peace comes through his favor. God's peace comes through his favor. Verse 30 says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, some would mistake this to mean something totally different than what it really does mean. But listen to what John MacArthur again says. He says, By addressing her as favored one, Gabriel indicated that Mary had nothing to fear but was to become the recipient of God's grace. There was nothing intrinsically worthy about her that set her above other believers as if she was perfectly holy. Like all people, she was a sinner in need of God's grace. So just like Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus, who needed the grace of the Lord Jesus to save her, so do we. In order for Mary to have peace in that moment, and peace from that moment on, she had to experience God's grace just like you and I need God's grace in our life. MacArthur goes on to say God had sovereignly chosen to use her to help carry out his redemptive purposes. The issue was not her merit or worthiness, but God's sovereign grace. Consider what Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This grace in which we stand refers to the secure position that we have in the Lord Jesus. And because we are secure in Christ, we are secure in the eternal, and no matter our circumstances, we can have peace because the grace of the Lord Jesus has saved us from our sin. I'm so thankful that my security does not rest in my works because they're not always so good. I'm so thankful that my security does not come in how I behave or my conduct because sometimes that's not so good either. But my security rests solely and only in the grace of the Lord Jesus who came through the Virgin Mary and lived the perfect life and died on the cross for my sins and forgave me of my sins and gave me his grace and imputed into me his righteousness. Even as undeserving as I was, he saved me from my sin. That is where I receive security in this life. That is where I receive peace in this life, is knowing Jesus Christ through his grace. 
Consider what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Each Christmas, our family does Advent devotions, and this is a commentary on this passage of Scripture uh, from Kevin Feisk. He says this, Jesus is our only hope for peace with the Holy God. He was born to die for the sins of his people. He stood in the place we deserve to stand as our mediator and took upon himself God's rightful anger against our sin. By fully paying for the sins of his people, Jesus satisfied and removed God's rightful anger. By taking away our sin, Jesus brings us to God. Because of Jesus, his people are peacefully welcomed into the presence of the Father and never again need fear his wrath. I'm so thankful that Jesus is our mediator. I'm so thankful that he has reconciled us unto himself through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. Well, not only does God's peace come through, comes through his grace, but God's peace comes through the assurance of his presence during times of trial. Look at verse 28 again. It says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, old favored one. The Lord is with you. I could not imagine the thoughts that must have run through Mary's mind at some point. Being pregnant and not being married. Having to tell her husband what's going on. Her husband seeing what's going on in her physical body until the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Joseph got it. But what about Mary's parents? How was she going to tell them? What about Mary's friends in, in Nazareth? What, what were they to think? What about some of the adults? Were they going to pick up rocks and start throwing them at Mary to stone her to death, which was the penalty for adultery? All these real circumstances could have come Mary's way, but the message of the angel Gabriel trumped all of those things when he said, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Church, the Lord is with you. He's with you in your heartache. He's with you in your sickness. He's with you in financial trouble. He is with you always. The Bible says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. There's nothing that we can do that separates us from his love. He is always with us. His presence comforts us in the time of trial. I can't help but think of the words of the Apostle Paul when he is chained to a Roman guard when he writes these words. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Paul is expressing a peace that goes beyond human understanding. He's expressing a peace that goes beyond human comprehension, all the while he is chained to a Roman soldier. 
Let me tell you something. No Roman soldier had Paul guarded. No chain had Paul guarded. Only the thing that guarded Paul was the peace of the Lord Jesus in the midst of trouble and trial. Sometimes we let our circumstances guard our heart. Sometimes we let, we let financial hardship guard our heart. Sometimes we let a prodigal son or daughter guard our heart. Sometimes we let uh, health issues guard our heart. The list could go on and on and on. But Paul is saying here to enjoy the peace of God because he is always with you. I know Mary had to be comforted by knowing she had received God's grace by knowing that the Lord was with her. Do you have that assurance today? First, do you have the assurance of your life being right with God and having peace with Him by repenting of your sin and, and trusting Jesus by faith? Do you have that assurance? Do you have that internal peace that no matter what happens, you have peace with God? And then if you have that peace with God, God is always with you, knowing that your circumstances can sometimes be bleak. God is with you. Do you have that kind of assurance? Well, God revealed his plan to Mary, and in that plan he gave Mary peace, but also in that plan he lavished upon Mary his power. Let's look at it. In verses 35 through 37 it says, And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Again, how is it that Mary knew and understood the power? Could it be perhaps that she had seen God's power on display or heard of God's power on display while she was in the synagogue reading and understanding the Word of God for herself? Could it be that she understood the message of Genesis 1, 2, and 3 when it says the earth was without form and void and the darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The absolute power of God is conveyed by the very fact that he merely speaks and it happens. The power of God rested on Mary. Mary, you will conceive in your womb the Savior of the world. And it happened. I remember when Jay was born. And typically the doctor will let you cut the umbilical cord. But the doctor says, Kevin, we've got to hurry. And so he, he cut the umbilical cord and my mind started racing. Didn't know what was going on and Molly didn't either. All we knew that he wasn't breathing. And they took him over to the table uh, aside of the bed and started working on him. And Molly and I, all we knew to do was pray. And when we spoke the name of Jesus, we heard our baby boy for the first time. There's power in the name of Jesus. 
There's power in the way God impregnated Mary. There's power in the way that that baby grew and lived a perfect life, a sinless life. There's power in the way that he died on the cross and shed his blood. There's power in the blood that washes us away from sin. There's power in the fact that Jesus rose from the grave and that he ascended on high. There's power in the fact that he is seated right now at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for you and for me. There's power in that Mary surely knew the illustrations of God's power that were taught her in the synagogue to know and believe that the prophecies of this power was getting ready to come upon her It was as if that power of God had overshadowed her, allowed her to see these things come to pass. But not only did Mary see God's power in history, I believe God's power makes the impossible possible. Verses 36 through 37 says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Do you not think that also Mary knew the story of Sarah in the Old Testament when God visited her and said that you're going to conceive a bare son? One of my favorite scenes, this, seem, this seems impossible, right? It seems impossible that that could happen. One of my favorite scenes in the movie, Facing the Giants, I'm sure most of you have seen Facing the Giants, was at the end of the movie in the locker room scene where the Shiloh Eagles, who were heavy, heavy underdogs, won the state championship in their football game, and they won it through an unlikely hero of a backup kicker who kicked a 51-yard field goal to secure victory for their team. And amidst the celebration in the locker room, the coach went up to David, the kicker, and he said this. He says, I just saw God do a miracle through you. I saw giants fall as if they were dead, 85 of them to be exact. Now you tell me what's impossible with God. And David's response was, nothing, coach. But let me tell you a greater story of what was impossible that made our impossible possible god emmanuel god with us has made all things possible do you believe that do you believe that god wants to use his power in your life to witness to your friends and neighbors and see them come to faith in Christ? God's power is awesome. Lastly, God's power is unlimited. In closing, I want us to consider the words of this song and I didn't talk to Jonathan about any of this beforehand. It's just amazing how God's hand is at work. But I want us to really understand the God we serve, the God we have the privilege of worshiping, the God who lives inside of us. 
Listen to the words of this song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? That this child that you delivered will soon deliver you? Did you you know that the baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy had walked where angels trod? And when you kissed this little baby, you've kissed the face of God. The blind will see, and the deaf will hear, and the dead will live again. The lame will leap, and the mute will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb and this sleeping child you're holding is the great I am? God incarnate walked on the water made the blind to see and the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the mute to speak. He's Lord of all creation. He's ruler of all nations. He's heaven's perfect lamb who has called us his sons and daughters. He's delivered us and made us new. If God can take someone like me Offer me his grace. Forgive me of my sin. And clean me from the inside out. His power is unlimited. It's a clear message this morning. That God has a plan. And in that plan, he offers you peace. And his power. My question is are you submitted and ready and willing to do what God is asking you to do in his plan? First, the plan is for you to know him as Lord and Savior. Have you made that commitment and decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Or is there something troubling you this morning where you're just not experiencing the peace of God because your eyes are on your circumstances and you're not really guarded by God's peace that he offers you? Are you living in your own strength and own power instead of living in the power of God that is just makes the impossible possible and it's just unlimited? We're going to stand and sing and I want you to respond to God's call, whatever that might be in your life. If you want to come and kneel at this altar, you kneel and pray and get things right with the Lord. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I would love to speak with you or get you to someone who can speak with you about that.